Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Incorp's Season 2 of Pro Business Podcast Series. I'm Eric, Incorp's Chief Business Development Officer. At Incorp, we specialize in providing a wide range of corporate and business advisory services in eight markets of Asia-Pacific. For more information, please visit our website at www.incorp.asia. So for Season 2 of our Pro Business Series, we are excited to have partnered with Singapore's Economic Development Board, or EDB for short. So together, we will be exploring the exciting opportunities in different key industries that Southeast Asia, or C for short, as a region, possess for companies and entrepreneurs globally. In each episode, we will invite experts from EDB as well as well-known industry leaders to elaborate more on why it is the perfect time to expand into Southeast Asia. So for today's episode, very proud, very happy that we have with us Brandon Chiu, Regional VP Americas, to join us in our Season 2 with a very macro topic to start off this podcast series, why Southeast Asia and Singapore's role in this sea of opportunity. So maybe Brandon, you want to give our audience a self-introduction? Sure. Thanks for this opportunity, Eric. My name is Brandon. I I've been with the EDB for almost 11 years now, covering a whole range of different industries and functions. I've been in the US for almost five years doing both marketing and business development. I like to think of myself as in the business of selling a product like many companies, except my product is the whole country. Singapore Inc. So that's, <laughs> to me, that's the fun part and that's the challenge. I also love talking about macro stuff. So a lot of people say my head is in the clouds too much of the time, so this should be a fun episode, Eric. Uh, which is why uh, you're chosen by EDB to talk in this episode as well, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so maybe without further ado, I think let's warm up our audience as well. We can start off with a very simple question in a way. Why can't businesses around the world ignore doing business in Southeast Asia? Uh, that's a, li- a little bit of a twist to the question, but I hope you can understand the question. Yeah, I think it's good that we're starting macro because If you look at China and Korea, China in the early 2000s had uh, a really massive growth spurt spurred by a lot of large tech companies like Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent and so on. And if you go even further back to the 1970s, Korea had a Mm. similar growth spurt with their own homegrown tech companies. Mm. And I like to draw a line between those two countries and Southeast Asia today and say that Actually, if you look at the data coming out of Southeast Asia and some of the Mm. trajectories from some of the countries, it's not so different compared to China in the early 2000s and South Korea in the 1970s. There's a really good report out there by Asia Partners, which is a Southeast Asian venture capital firm. And if you look at the information, it really shows that GDP per capita of Southeast Asia, as well as the spending power, the number of tech IPOs coming out of the region are comparable to what happened in China and Korea right before the tech industry took off in those two countries and right before they entered what they would call a golden age for the economy and for growth. So if I was in front of a company CEO right now, they asked, why can't I ignore Southeast Asia? My answer is it's really because Southeast Asia is entering a massive golden age right at this moment. Mm. And if you don't come in now in the next few years, you might miss this window of opportunity. And it Mm. really doesn't matter what kind of company you are. There's really a lot of interesting growth stories and opportunities for you to come in and take advantage of. See, I mean, that's an interesting way of introducing this to, say, companies in the US, Brandon. So what do you perceive as some of the unique opportunities in C versus other markets around the world? Yeah, I think this is a golden age because, as I said earlier, we're really right at the beginning of a lot of interesting trends and a lot of interesting growth areas. The biggest thing is the rise of a growing affluent and young mm-hmm. middle class. So Southeast Asia currently has 650 million or so people. 
which is already a pretty sizable population, twice the population of the United States, it's going to grow to over 700 million people over the next eight to 10 years. And a very large majority of that population is going to be young, below the age of 33. They're going to have high and growing disposable income, and they're going to be extremely digital savvy. Mobile penetration in Southeast Asia is 75% right now, which is a pretty high figure. So what that means for companies is that you're going to have a very large base of consumers who will demand everything from consumer goods, FMCGs, to interesting digital services like streaming, media, content, entertainment, to even other things that you might not think about, like telehealth. So that's one big trend that I see that's happening right now. The second trend, mm. let's call it enterprise digital transformation, enterprise digitalization. If you're a company, you're either in the service of selling a product to a consumer or you're in the service of selling a product to a company that's selling a service to a, a consumer or a product to a consumer. And because the population of Southeast Asia is becoming extremely digitally savvy. A lot of them are what you call digital first or even mobile first. They do a lot of transactions, activities with their mobile phones. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, the only way now, right? Already. Yes. Yes. So like you, I mean, this is showing my age, but I never thought it would be possible to say, uh, buy a product over WhatsApp or use TikTok as a social chat, as a channel for conducting e-commerce. When I'm <laughs> your age, I've never imagined that I'll be buying things that's more than $100 online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what this means is that if you're a B2C company or a, a B2B company, this means that you need to keep up with consumers and their uh, extremely digital savvy spending behaviors and habits, which means you meet them at the channels that you're comfortable with. So for a lot of companies in Southeast Asia, that requires an immense digital transformation journey. So everything from upgrading your data systems to making sure that your, what you would call front-end platforms, app strategy, all of these things are up-to-date. And that means you need a lot of help. You need mm. new products, you need new platforms, you need to integrate your systems in a way that you've probably never done before. And then if you work backwards from that, that means that there's a huge opportunity for companies in the enterprise tech space. So everyone from a CRM company to a company that helps you manage your HR and human capital system those are all going to be in huge demand in Southeast Asia as a lot of these enterprises in the region digitalize mm. or even as a lot of new companies spring up and they realize that they need to build their tech stack extremely quickly to meet the mm -hmm. demand of a consumer base in Southeast Asia. One last trend if I may because at EDB, one thing you don't know about Singapore is that we have a very strong manufacturing base. Over 20% of our GDP is mm. from manufacturing. That seems to surprise people when I tell them. And the third trend that I see coming out of Southeast Asia is, call it a China plus one strategy. I think China as a manufacturing and supply chain destination is going to persist over the next few years. Mm. But the recent developments, COVID with geopolitical tensions and everything have shown companies that it really pays to diversify your manufacturing and supply chain base. Mm. And what that means is that a lot of them are now looking to locations to complement what they have in China, Hong Kong, and yeah, that region. And that's where Southeast Asia becomes a lot more compelling. If you look at all of the locations in Southeast Asia, whether it's Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, there's huge untapped potential there for manufacturing companies to go into the network of industrial parks there and really build a competitive supply chain and manufacturing base that can really help them guard against future shocks and black swan events like COVID.
That's a great point you raised on manufacturing or using SE or Southeast Asia for manufacturing base versus traditional factories of the world such as China. And when we ourselves at Incorp, we have seen a lot of, uh, I would say, government strategies in these different markets in Southeast Asia trying to woo investors to bring their manufacturing base into the country. And it still makes sense versus China. China is no longer cheap anymore to do manufacturing. So it makes sense to divert and diversify, like what you say, into these cheaper regions who are still able to the talent or to supply the talent pool to drive out the efficiency of within manufacturing. So I think that's a great point. Ben. You've probably seen a lot of those companies already, more, more so than I have. <laughs> I think earlier in our answer, you were saying that you know, there's, I hear a lot about digital businesses, enterprise digital solutions to supplement the business. If I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO of a company in a traditional business. So how do we classify traditional businesses? I will classify them such as you know, retail, FMB, consumer goods, professional services. If I'm a CEO of such a company in these industries, is there a space for me in Southeast Asia then? I would say absolutely there's a space in Southeast Asia for companies of all sizes and all ages. Eric, like, like you, I'm not so young anymore. I understand what it means to evolve and keep up with the times. And I think Southeast Asia is a great place for a company to do that. Partly because we're entering the golden age that we mentioned earlier, a lot of traditional companies will see interesting growth areas that they may not have seen in other regions, mm. or more precisely that they might have seen in other regions 10 to 20 years ago. For example, the huge spurt in demand for financial services in Southeast Asia. The reality of Southeast Asia is that growth is patchy and that development is uneven across different countries or even within specific regions and areas in countries. And because of that, there is a massive amount of the population that either doesn't have a bank account or isn't really using bank account or using financial services in a meaningful way. So if I was a bank or a fintech or payments provider, I could look to Southeast Asia and say like, hey, this looks like a really interesting challenge or a really interesting problem in Southeast Asia that I could come in and help tackle. I would say though that if you were a large company, you might have to adjust the way that you do business mm. uh, in Southeast Asia. You might be used to going straight to market, finding out the channels yourself and going straight to consumer and using your technical and regional know-how to grow your revenue share. But in Southeast Asia, market knowledge, being able to go down to the ground and have existing regional networks is one of the strongest parts of doing business here. So it's really important, mm -hmm. even if you are a big successful company with huge market share elsewhere, uh, to come down and find a uh, big regional partners that you can work with or even smaller regional partners to help disseminate some of your products and services. I think that's a great point. And even for the younger companies like the tech startups, scales up of the world or SMEs in different markets looking to expand into this region, I guess when any company big and small enter into a new market in Southeast Asia, they will be treated like a startup in any case because they are new to the market. They don't know anyone. They need to mm -hmm. take the time to build out the team, know people around, understand the ecosystem and then start thriving. And while we're on the topic of industries, Brandon, I mean, if you can dive down into some of the rapidly growing or prominent industries within Southeast Asia, I think that will be very useful for our audience. Sure. I almost want to say everything, Eric, but yeah, let's be more specific. If I zoom in on specific sub sectors within tech, the two sectors I mentioned just now 
are still going to be extremely big in Southeast Asia. So one is enterprise or B2B technology, and the other one is fintech and payments. Enterprise technology, because as I said earlier, there's going to be a lot of digital transformation going on in Southeast Asia. I should know the EDB is going through our mm. own digitalization journey ourselves. Mm. And a lot of these companies and enterprises will need more sophisticated services, platforms, software to help them accelerate their digital journeys. So that's a really big area. Mm. We've been seeing that in Singapore with mm. a lot of enterprise tech companies in the US setting up. For example, just in the recent few years, companies like Stripe, mm. Twilio, Zoom, and a whole host of other companies have set up their regional headquarters and other teams in Singapore because they've seen a lot of demand coming from the region, from large enterprises and smaller companies. On the flip side, a really atypical sector that I might want to highlight is agri-tech or agri-food. Mm. So as I mentioned earlier, Southeast Asia has over 650 million people. A lot of them are young and in middle class and they're being exposed to a lot of interesting consumption trends. And one trend that we've been seeing is sustainable consumption. Mm. So with everything from adopting more plant-based diets to looking at more sustainable paying more attention to the sustainable footprint of the food that you're consuming and you're buying. Mm. What this means is that if you're a company in the business of, say, growing alternative proteins or using urban farming to more sustainably produce vegetables and herbs and other kinds of produce, mm. Southeast Asia will be a really interesting and unusual market for you because consumption patterns are really changing here and the ability to come in and adapt your products to a completely different consumer base uh, should be a really exciting prospect for you. Again, in Singapore, not to plug again, but we've seen a lot of agri-tech companies come in recently, yep, yep. precisely because they see growth in the region. Companies like Eat Just have set up in Singapore. Oatly has a manufacturing production plant with yep. Yo's, which is a yep. brand that both of us know very well <laughs> and I miss out here in the US. Those are just some examples of interesting sectors that I would pay attention to. And in this sector, Brandon, I also understand EDB has also helped them a lot to come into the market, into the country, in terms of certain funding help to help them get their manufacturing up and based in Singapore. So I think, again, 10 years ago, if you ask me whether there will be a food tech company manufacturing in Singapore on an alternative protein, for example, I don't think we will ever imagine that. For some of our audience, I'm very sure some of them would like to hear relatable examples. And earlier on, you have spoken on some of the companies that have set up the headquarters in Singapore, like, you know, an American company like Zoom. But maybe to give a sense of big and smaller or younger exciting companies who has chosen Singapore as the base for their Southeast Asia or global headquarters business. Can you name some of these uh, that EDB sees over the years? Yeah. So let's start with the biggest name you can think of, which is Google. Mm. Google has a very big presence in mm. Singapore because they're using Singapore as a regional base to access mm. Southeast Asia and grow their business in the region. Mm. And while a lot of people will be familiar with Google and they might say, oh, it's logical that Google has a regional headquarters in Singapore. What they might not know is that Google also has an engineering and product development presence in Singapore as well. They have two teams that are really interesting. One is called the Next Billion Users team. That team's role is to look at emerging markets and 
find out how Google can build products to cater to what they call the next billion users coming out of these emerging markets. The other team in Google Singapore is the payments team. And this team is responsible for building a lot of the payments products that Google is using in Asia and the rest of the world, precisely to take advantage of the opportunities that I talked about earlier when it comes to the demand for financial services and for other fintech related products. So that's the big company. The not so big but growing company that I should mention is Stripe. Stripe came to the region when they were below $10 billion in valuation and they really saw the growth and promise of the region. And like Google, they not only set up a regional headquarters here, but a paid an engineering team to build products for Southeast Asia because the payments and fintech space is so highly regulated and the regulations are so differentiated across different countries. They really felt there was a need to localize and build new products for the markets that they were mm. entering. So they had to build a product development and engineering team in Singapore to access and really corner the markets in the region. I think Stripe is a very good example. I can understand why you say it's a young company because when they came into the market and it was Singapore and South with Asia. They are not as well known as their big giants like in the industry such as say PayPal. So a lot of people and businesses start to compare them to like a PayPal but a younger version of it. So in that sense I think over the years they have proven that they have a big market share and the market segment where they entered yeah. uh, within Southeast Asia I would say is a brilliant strategy because in a way don't want to fight against the big boys like PayPal directly so they try to go through different streams so they have done well using Singapore as headquarters and again within Southeast Asia I think they have managed to garner the market pretty well we have spoken so much about different industries what are the opportunities the prominent companies are doing well in this area some of the prominent companies younger companies that have used Singapore to enter Southeast Asia so at the end of this right, if you want to summarize and end off the podcast, what do you think is Singapore's role for businesses worldwide in Southeast Asia? Long question, but it gives a good summary to the end of this episode. Of course. Well, this is a topic that's very close to my heart, Eric, and I, I'll try not to spend more than five hours <laughs> explaining to you what, what this means to me. Mm. But when companies come to me and my team in the US and they ask, I'm sold in Asia, but tell me why I should consider Singapore. There are three big things that I would tell them. So one is you should come to Singapore because of where Singapore is in Asia. Mm. We are at the heart of Southeast Asia. From Singapore, you can take a three and a half hour plane ride to pretty much anywhere else in Southeast Asia. So whether it's for business or for pleasure or for any other reason, we're a great central location. Mm. The other reason I would tell them is because of who we are. So who we are meaning not just the location of Singapore, but what we've done and our reputation as a pro-business country and a pro-business government. I mean, it's no secret that we are really known for our efficiency, for being extremely friendly to businesses. But if I were to just put some context and put some numbers around that, it takes 15 minutes to register your business online and set up an entity in Singapore. It takes one and a half days mm. on average for you to get the necessary paperwork for you to incorporate in Singapore, which to me is a really great mark of how efficient we are. Besides that, we have a really extensive network of free trade agreements and what we call digital economy agreements, which is kind of the new age mm. to us, the future of what trade and doing business in the region looks like. So you can really take advantage of our network of regulations, agreements with other countries, as well as infrastructure to do business a lot more efficiently.
The third thing that I like to tell companies when they ask why Singapore uh, is that you should really consider Singapore because of what we can do for you. Who we are and where we are are great, but a company really wants to know if you were a CEO, you would really want to know like, what's in it for me? How can Singapore actually work with my specific company and my specific business? And the short answer to any CEO or any business leader out there is that we will do whatever it takes to make your business succeed in Singapore and in Asia. That's pretty much why my organization, the EDB, exists. Maybe if I just end with a, a really long-winded story, Eric, sure. which is a story about, about EDB and our growth. About 30 years ago in the 1990s, we were really trying to grow the petrochemicals industry in Singapore. And uh, back then, we a lot of people were saying, how are you going to grow the petrochemicals industry in Singapore? Because Singapore doesn't have the land or the infrastructure to make it happen. We had a couple of big companies like Exxon who were already in Singapore, but a lot of people, a lot of analysts were saying like, we couldn't see the industry taking off beyond like what it already was. And what Singapore did was we then looked offshore to a group of islands in the Jurong area, which is, you're familiar with it, Eric, like on the Southwest side yes. of Singapore. I've been there myself, yes. And we reclaimed a bunch of land between the islands to create a miniature island within Singapore called Jurong Island. If I'm not wrong, it's half the size of Manhattan. And we use that to create and build the infrastructure needed to attract specialty chemicals and petrochemicals companies into Singapore. And I tell the story not to make ourselves sound good, but to say that if we were willing to do that in the 1990s for a petrochemical sector, imagine what we're willing to do now for any other company in any other sector that's looking to grow in Singapore and the region. I think that's a good place to yeah, to kind of end off because that's what the EDB has been set up to do. We try to make things happen for companies. If the infrastructure or if the product or if the platform doesn't exist yet, we'll do our best to make it happen for a company, whether you're in the business of manufacturing, in the business of technology or services or any other area. So that's my long-winded way of explaining why Singapore is a really great place for you to do business and operate your business in Asia. We, we're a great location. We have the right infrastructure and environment. And if we don't, we'll do it for you. <laughs> I think that's three great points that you can tell all entrepreneurs or CEOs of the world who is looking to you as the government of Singapore to showcase to them why you need to come to Southeast Asia through Singapore. And I think for Incorp as a professional services firm, as a tax advisory firm, if a customer or if the same CEO asks me as well, I think I'll probably answer it slightly differently in a way because I'm in the private sector. I guess Singapore, while we are not the lowest tax jurisdiction in the world, right? But at 17% flat corporate tax rate, we are one of the lowest, highly competitive. A lot of people do not know, but Singapore is the country that has the most amount of DTAs signed with the rest of the world. I think as of now, it's about 90 and counting. So it makes it important if businesses in around the world that choose Singapore as a base for the Southeast Asia or APEC expansion, and they use it as a trading invoicing hub because of the DTAs that Singapore has signed. You know, Taxation-wise, it creates efficiency within the structure. Capital gains and dividend gains tax are taxed at 0% in a way exempt. The infrastructure is built as such in the tax regime as well as Singapore to attract companies to want to come here when the CFOs of who is reporting to the CEOs thinking about why Singapore are not Vietnam or Indonesia directly or not Malaysia. And I guess to round it off in terms of selling Singapore Inc. in that way as a HQ within Southeast Asia, I think you hit it right all on the nail, Brendan. And I hope that for audience out there, if you're CEO, your business development officer, you are 
a CFO, you're thinking about expanding into Southeast Asia, uh, feel free to come and talk to Incorp, myself, Eric, and to Brendan from EDB. So that you know, together, we will be able to point you in the right direction and help you reach a decision faster. So Brendan, again, thanks for joining us in episode one, which is the Kickstarters episode of our podcast series, Seasoned in 2022. And to the audience, thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about the emerging industries or high-trending industries in Southeast Asia, and considering to expand your business into the region, Incorp and EDB, we are working together to bring you to a very interesting publication, which what we are team as a sea of opportunities, understanding Southeast Asia. So this ebook is a comprehensive guide, good overview brief on the current market conditions of all 10 Southeast Asian countries, and also highlighting the different nuances, knowledge and opportunities in each of the markets. So head on to Incorps and EDB's website and download this ebook today for more information. So Brendan, again, thank you very much. I think if we are if we continue this topic, we'll probably spend another two hours or so. Of course. But thanks again for this and we hope to do this again. Uh, thanks so much, Eric. And, and for all the audience, stay tuned for the next episode which will be uploaded very soon on our websites.